0: The following program is brought to you with plenty of spoilers. Listener discretion is strongly advised. They're going to build it. Ten,
1: nine... Who gets to go? Eight, seven
0: from Carl Sagan, the Pulitzer Prize winning author, Six. and Robert Zemeckis, Five. the Academy Award winning director of Forrest Gump.
2: You're willing to give your life a
0: journey Four. into the heart of the
2: universe. Three. Jodie Foster, oh. Matthew McConaughey.
1: One. We are not alone.
0: Contact. Hey, Treks and Sci-Fi fans, welcome to this week's show, number 523. Thanks for tuning in, and again, thanks to Rico for giving up the center seat. Today we're reviewing the 1997 sci-fi film, Contact, starring Jodie Foster as Dr. Ellie Arroway, a radio astronomer who finds strong evidence of extraterrestrial life. And Matthew McConaughey as Palmer Joss, a respected author and man of faith. This movie is the adaptation of the 1986 novel by the same name. So let's hitch a ride with the author of Contact, Carl Sagan.
3: Come with me. We're going to explore the cosmos in a ship of the imagination, unfettered by ordinary limits on speed and size, drawn by the music of cosmic harmonies. It can take us anywhere in space and time.
0: If that sounds familiar, You know, Dr. Sagan has also brought real science to the small screen in 1980, when he wrote and hosted a TV series called Cosmos.
3: Cosmos we never imagined would be as successful as it was. It's been seen by more than half a billion people in over 60 countries worldwide. Afterward, he and his wife, Anne Druin, went boldly
0: into the realm of science fiction by writing a screenplay that was eventually published as a novel contact.
3: Some years after completing Cosmos, I uh, found myself taking time out from my scientific work to write a novel, uh, a novel about travel to the center of the Milky Way galaxy.
0: Carl published his novel in 1985, and it was more than 10 years later that it was adapted to a movie.
3: You are working on a movie. Are you at a liberty to talk about that at all? I can talk about it a little little bit. bit. A A new movie based on Contact, your book? Based on my novel, Contact, about first contact with extraterrestrial intelligence via uh, the receipt of a complex radio message. It's uh, a Warner Brothers movie. It's starring Jodie Foster.
1: Hi, this is Jodie Foster, and I play Eleanor Arroway in Contact, better known as Ellie Arroway, but I thought I'd give you the full name, just in case.
0: And directed by Robert Zemeckis. I'm Bob Zemeckis, uh, director of Contact. Contact took a long time in development and was fortunate to finally get Robert Zemeckis as director. He stamped this film with his trademark long camera moves used in his previous movies like The Feather Chase as it floated down in the beginning of Forrest Gump or The Long Pan across the Wall of Clocks in the opening of Back to the Future.
3: Stay quiet and clear, and
1: action! We think that, that this may be a beacon, a sort of an announcement to kind of get our attention.
0: Contact begins with a view of Earth from space as we are immediately hit with a wall of sound. The Earth is growing smaller into the distance as the camera follows the television transmissions beaming out past our solar system and beyond until all grows quiet.
1: This is the best part when it goes very quiet. and If you ever saw it in the movie theaters, there's a lot of people rustling, feeling very uncomfortable because they think the sound actually just went off in the theater.
0: The Milky Way galaxy itself fades into an ocean of the farthest stars that are all reduced to just the twinkle of a young girl's eye. We find 9-year-old Ellie at her ham radio calling hey. CQ and tuning around the dial, looking for responses to her call.
1: CQ. CQ. This is W9GFO here. Come back. CQ. CQ. This is W9GFO. Is anybody out there? I'm not getting anything.
4: Small moves, Ellie. Small moves.
0: She's close to her dad, a single parent who encourages her and is heartbroken when he dies of a sudden heart attack. Time has passed now and 20 years later, Dr. Eleanor Arraway is working at the SETI program at the Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico. One day she meets a fellow American and journalist, Palmer Joss.
2: Arecibo, right? <laughs> Does it show? Yeah. Cracker Jack.
1: No, no thanks. Manifest it down. Sure.
2: Uh, Palmer, Josh. Ellie, your way. Hey. Nice to meet you, Ellie. What um? What are you studying up there?
1: I work on a project called SETI.
2: Search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Wow. And that is out there.
1: Wait, are are you a student or something? Mm-hmm.
2: I'm a writer. I'm writing a book. I'm kind of doing research. i just about uh, how technology affects third world culture.
0: Palmer and Ellie are like oil and water. He's a theologian, and she's an agnostic scientist. She likes what she sees, but is turned off by his faith. Will you have dinner with me tonight?
1: I I, I don't make a very good research subject. I'm, I'm just not very quotable. No uh,
2: quotes. No quotes. Scott's honor. Just good meal, good company.
1: I gotta go.
0: Well, it's almost 15 minutes in, and you may be wondering by now, where is this movie going?
1: You could say that. One of the most difficult things about the the beginning of this movie is how to cram so much information into such a short period of time. Um, You have to meet Matthew McConaughey's character, Palmer Joss. Uh, ...establish uh, that compass there that he just gave me, because it plays in other parts of the movie. Find out about uh, David Drumlin, my nemesis, arch-enemy, who keeps uh, taking the credit for everything I do and just basically bugging me. Um, and uh, establish that I've lost funding and, and have, uh, have the character go out and try and find more money in order to finance her campaign for SETI. Well, that's a lot of stuff to get into the beginning of a movie before uh, a lot of the action happens. So um, it's just a testament, I think, to how Robert Zemeckis can figure out how to make you know, exposition as interesting as possible.
0: So Ellie and Palmer share a tender moment until he uses the F-word.
1: Uh, just leave your number. I'll call you.
0: Ellie's rotten boss, Drumlin, pulls the plug on her career. There's nothing out there but noble gases and carbon compounds, and you're wasting your time. Jumlin pulled the plug, we're homeless. And she spends the next year and a half looking for funding for her SETI research team. At last, she finds an investor when a secretive billionaire industrialist, S.R. Haddon, takes notice of her plight and provides for her research team to lease time on the VLA, the very large array in New Mexico. This facility with its 27 large radio antenna dishes is impressive to say the least, and it's often used in science fiction movies like 2010,
2: You are Dr. Haywood Floyd?
3: Who the hell are you?
0: and Transformers 2. <laughs> A real allegory to scientific advancement. Even here, Grumlin, now science advisor to the president, is still bent on shutting down Ellie's SETI program. So, after four years at the VLA searching the heavens and finding nothing, Ellie is about to get evicted.
1: I've had better. Drumlin, what is this? Is this is a personal vendetta now? It's not just
4: Drumlin, there's been enormous pressure. From other scientists as well.
1: It doesn't matter anyway, because Haddon's funding us
4: for another two years. Uh, these are government-owned telescopes. They can lease them to whomever they want. And they don't want the high priestess of the desert using them anymore.
1: What?
4: Staring at static on TV for hours at a time, listening to washing machines? Did you really think these stories wouldn't I- get I was around?
1: looking for patterns it's... in the chaos. Come on, It doesn't matter anymore. That.
4: We're a joke to them. They want us out. We've got three months until the paperwork goes through.
0: And then, one evening, Elliot detects a strong signal repeating a sequence of prime numbers emanating from the star Vega. Okay, raise a hands. Who thought it sounded like an alien probe searching for whales? I well, know I did. Well, it really hits the fan now, as bad guy Drumlin can't wait to step in and take credit for Ellie's discovery.
4: Let's get decryption Russia. people in here now. Luna visiting at Caltech. Explain this to me.
0: The National Security Advisor. Michael Kitts, played by James Wood, even attempts to take control of the whole facility. As Drumlin and Kitts argue, another discovery is made. A video buried in the signal reveals the welcoming speech to the 1936 Summer Olympics by Adolf Hitler.
1: Does anybody speak German?
0: Uh,
4: I, I declare the games in Berlin at, at the celebration of of, of the first Olympics, of the new era, is open. Get
2: me the White
1: House. Twenty million people died defeating that son of a bitch, and he's our first ambassador to outer space. Actually, the Hitler the broadcast from the, the first
4: 36 Olympics was the first television.
0: It occurs to these guys that this was the first transmission, likely powerful enough to escape the Earth, and it was returned as a friendly response. Not the work of space Nazis.
3: Here's some CNN reporters that'll never be doing this again. The
1: White House has just released a statement confirming that a message of unknown origin emanating from deep space...
0: Nonetheless, as the news of this discovery is reported on CNN, Kitts still wants to militarize the project, as the president holds a national press conference.
2: Good afternoon. I'm glad to be joined by my science and technology advisor... This is the product of years of exploration by some of the world's most distinguished scientists. Like all discoveries, this one will...
0: And okay, to be so this probably seemed like a good opportunity for another of Zemeckis' trademarks of putting actors into historical films, as he did with Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. But using the current president and out of context for his
3: movie, I feel made the gag backfire. Hello, I'm Ken Ralston, Senior Visual Effects Supervisor on Contact. So I guess the White House wasn't all that thrilled with us doing this, but I thought it also led, you know, it lended a certain amount of credibility to what the whole movie was about, but it also brings up a lot of other issues, which we don't have to get into here, just about uh, the media and how images are used. And and really it started with Gump, I believe, and more so in this, just bringing up the the problem of how you can manipulate images especially in a news or documentary environment and alter its meaning just with the slightest subtlest touches and I think you'll see a lot more uh, attention paid to this basically because of this movie I believe and the White House trying to figure out how do you protect yourself how do you protect the truth or at least your version of the truth Ellie's team makes a further
0: discovery in the signal a tech manual for building an enormous and expensive machine. It's determined to be some sort of transportation device consisting of three distinct parts, a central sphere of giant whirling rings, the actual vehicle, a small single passenger sized pod, and a skyscraper tall gantry for dropping the pod from a tremendous height through the moving
3: rings. We've got some, uh, some video animation to show you just how this machine, it is thought, will work. The passenger pod will be released. It'll come down through the center of the rings and into the machine's core. The big question everyone here is asking is, of course, what happens then? Some believe that the rings function as some sort of an accelerator or something, uh, sending its energy into this passenger pod, making it rocket away at near the speed of light other people believe it might open up a doorway to some other dimension who's right well that's what today's test is all about
0: well it takes a number of countries to contribute to the construction of the machine and they submit representatives as candidates to be chosen for the voyage included on the short list is ellie for her scientific discovery of this first contact upon completion a special selection panel that includes Palmer Joss is convened. But of course, Dremlin pulls some strings, and it's announced that he is the most qualified to go. At the final test of the great machine, Dremlin stops to patronize Ellie one last time. The
2: test director has issued a go to enter the final countdown phase.
4: Ellie.
1: Congratulations, David.
4: Glad you could come. Didn't, uh, expect to see you here.
1: Well, I'm still, uh, you know, crew ops at the control center. And I suppose the fact that I discovered the message means that I have some PR value.
4: Of course. Ellie, I know you must think this is all very unfair. Maybe that's an understatement. What you don't know is I agree. I wish the world was a place where fair was the bottom line, where the kind of idealism showed that the hearing was rewarded, not taken advantage of. Unfortunately we don't live in that world. Funny,
1: I've always believed that the world is what we make of it.
0: All is ready and in good hands in the launch control room, because another of my favorite actors, Tucker Smallwood, plays the flight director. He's had guest roles on Trek and B-5, and was Commander Ross on Space Above and Beyond.
1: I want the 2-7, the
2: 3-2, and the 53rd Squadron in my sky, on the double, and rain and fire.
0: You can tell he's in charge of today's flight test as he runs through the checklist wearing his Gene Krantz vest.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, we are ready to start-up. All controllers, I need a go, no go for test initiation. Mechanical? Go. Electrical? Go. Dynamics? Go. Communications? Go. File systems? Go. Safety? Go. Crew ops. Verify all pretest procedures are complete?
1: Yes, verified. I'm go.
2: Pad leader. We are looking good here. Is everything okay with you? Roger. The pad is a go. Test initiation on my mark. Five. Four. Three.
0: Two. One. Mark. Test start. Rings are unlocked. Power levels indicate a good start.
1: And we have begun the full-scale test of Earth's first system, built by the sharing of knowledge with a neighbor in our universe. To Ellie's are
0: quiet despair, bus. it appears her destiny now awaits someone else. But fear not, Drumlin's machine Explodes! sabotage by religious zealot Jake Busey
4: everybody should have a friend like me
0: Ellie returns home saddened that her discovery or any chance of making contact has been destroyed waiting for her is a message from her mentor S.R. Haddon who has built another great machine why build one when you can have
2: two twice the price
0: just for her
2: They still want an American to go, Doctor. Want to take a ride?
0: She is flown to the site of the second great machine and is met by the mission director and reunited with a few friends, including Palmer Joss, who returns the compass he had given her when they first met. Ellie now enters the transport pod. Life
1: support? Go! Ellie, we are go for closure. I'm go. Here. Mechanical. Initiate IPV closure sequence.
3: In discussions with Bob, he wanted to, at some point, when the rings start spinning fast enough, to create a window for uh, Ellie to see out of, as if the rings were opening up a, a window in time.
0: And it is launched into the center of the great machine. The forward wall appears to lose its opacity as Ellie observes that she is traveling through conduits in space at tremendous speed. Her brief stops reveal an alien presence on other worlds and spectacular vistas of stiller objects. She has been narrating all along as she documents her long voyage with her Google Glass looking headcam. Until she is overcome and at a loss for words by the grandness of her experience. At this point, she simply says they should have sent a a poem and faints. on a beach, similar to the one that she imagined in a picture she drew for her dad when she was a child. The sky is full of stars as the image of her father approaches her. She reaches out and embraces him.
4: I missed you. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry I couldn't be there for you, sweetheart.
1: You're not real. None of this is real. That's my scientist. When I was unconscious, you downloaded my thoughts, my memories, even.
4: We thought this might make things easier for you.
1: Why did you contact
4: us? You contacted us. We were just listening.
1: And there are others?
4: Many others.
1: travel here through that transit system that you built.
4: We didn't build it. We don't know who did. No, they were gone long before we ever got here. Maybe someday they'll come back.
1: All the other civilizations that you find, they come here? Not all. Uh, Is this some test?
4: No, no tests. You have your mother's hands. You're an interesting species. An interesting mix. You're capable of such beautiful dreams and such horrible nightmares. You feel so lost, so cut off, so alone. Only you're not. See, in all our searching, The only thing we've found that makes the emptiness bearable is each other.
1: What happens now?
4: Now? You go home.
1: Home? But I have so many questions. Do we get to come back?
4: This was just the first step. In time, you'll take another. But other people need to see what I've seen. They need to see... This is the way it's been done for billions of years. But... Small moves, Ellie. Small moves.
0: She looks up at the streaking shower of stars as the sky swallows her up. And she finds herself on the floor of the pod with a nasty bump on her head. The mission director is calling her name. Tells her of the malfunction of her launch and that her rescue is underway.
2: just hold on tight. We're still trying to uh, determine the nature of the malfunction, but the important thing is you're okay. What? It's all right Ellie, the important thing is that you're safe.
1: What,
0: what malfunction? What? Yeah, poorly. I... Her sudden return home reminds me of this scene in The Wizard of Oz.
1: Dorothy, Dorothy dear, it's Aunt Em, darling. Oh, Auntie Em, it's you. Yes, Hello there.
2: Anybody home? I uh, I just dropped by because I heard the little girl got caught in the big. Well, she seems all right now. Yeah, she got quite a bump on the head. We kind of thought there for a minute she was going to leave us.
1: But I did leave you,
2: Uncle Henry. That's
1: just the trouble. And I tried to get back for... But the headset didn't record a single image.
2: Just this. Static. Thank you. Now, Doctor, let me show you what we saw.
0: The 18-hour voyage for Ellie in the capsule was observed from the control room as just a simple drop into the net below the machine.
2: 43 separate remote cameras show exactly the same event. The IPV dropped straight through. Everyone who watched saw exactly the same thing. Nothing happened. How do you explain this, Doctor? I can't. I would encourage you not
0: to inflame this situation beyond the facts. After these events, Kitz goes a little nuts and resigns his post as National Security Advisor. He holds a witch hunt, I mean an inquiry, to find out what really happened.
2: Tell me something, Doctor. Why do you think these aliens would go to all this trouble, bring you tens of thousands of light years, and then just send you home without a single shred of proof?
1: They said that's how it's been done for billions of years.
2: That's very neat doctor you have no proof because they didn't want you to have any a phenomenon known in psychiatric circles i believe is a self-reinforcing delusion
0: you know james woods is great at playing the grand inquisitor he was also the crazed general hein in final fantasy a couple of years later uh where is the proof ellie finds herself accused of delusion and for once unable to defend her experience as a scientist Kitts assumes the entire event was an elaborate hoax played on them by S.R. Haddon as a final farewell before he recently died.
1: Is it possible that it didn't happen? Yes. As a scientist, I must concede that I must volunteer that.
2: Wait a minute. Let me get this straight. You admit that you have absolutely no physical evidence to back up your story. Yes. You admit that you very well may have hallucinated this whole thing. Yes. You admit that if you were in our position, you would respond with exactly the same degree of incredulity and skepticism. Yes. Then why don't you simply withdraw your testimony and concede that this journey to the center of the galaxy, in fact, never took place?
1: Because I can't. I had an experience. I can't prove it. I can't even explain it. But everything that I know as a human being, everything that I am tells me that it was real.
2: It is real!
1: I was given something wonderful, something that changed me forever. A vision of the universe that tells us undeniably how tiny and insignificant and how rare and precious we all are. A vision that tells us that we belong to something that is greater than ourselves, that we are not, that none of us are alone. I wish I could share that. I wish that everyone, if even for one moment, I could feel that awe and humility and hope, but (laughs) that continues to be my wish. Can't we talk about it?
4: I hope you're not going to become one of those surgeons who prays in the OR.
0: Ellie cannot deny her experiences to satisfy the committee. But ask them to accept the truth of her testimony on faith. Huh? Da, da, da!
2: Reverend Joss, what do you believe? What do you believe? As a person of faith, I'm bound by a different covenant than Doctor Airway. But our goal is one and the same: the pursuit of truth. I for one believe her.
0: So as you might have guessed, the MacGuffin here is Ellie's recording.
2: So what happens now? We give her a medal?
1: I'd say at least a healthy grant. I assume you read the confidential findings report from the investigating committee. I flipped through it. I was especially interested in the section on Airways video unit. The one that recorded the static? Continue. The fact that it recorded static isn't what interests me. Continue. What interests me is that it recorded approximately 18 hours of it.
0: Ah yes, she gets an extended research grant at the VLA and NASA goes back to flying space shuttles or something. Overall, the movie got great reviews. Here's one from Siskel and Ebert. Remember those guys?
3: I'm Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun Times. Our first movie is Contact and the headline is This is the most intelligent and evolving movie about extraterrestrial life since Close Encounters of the Third Kind.
0: Contact did quite well at the box office in 1997 earning over a hundred and seventy million dollars internationally and ranking 16th domestically between Con Air at number 15 and the animated Disney feature Hercules at number 17 Jodie Foster won a Saturn Award for this film and was nominated for a Golden Globe it had been a couple of years since she had appeared on the big screen and people were glad to see her back I liked the way she played Ellie, though some of her critics called her too cold and intense. I saw her as driven
3: and sincere in her quest. Just briefly, just to mention uh, Jodie Foster's performance in this. She had never done a film, an effects film especially, of this magnitude before. And even though this scene has no effects in it, leading up are some gigantic scenes that she's in that are just nothing but effects and she was just great. She's such a perfectionist and such a professional that she took it all in very quickly. We did what we could to uh, help her make sense out of some of the situations that we were coming up for. And uh, it was great uh, just being around her and watching her work. As with most of the actors in the show, it uh, it was quite an experience.
0: Matthew McConaughey as Palmer Joss was a bit of a shark. He never seemed to blink and always knew where the good hunting was. You know, I think I remember McConaughey best from his first movie role only four years earlier, and <laughs> Dazed and Confused. That film also featured newcomers Renée Zellweger, Ben Affleck, and Milla Jovovich. Rawr. McConaughey played David Wooderson, a post-high school party animal, in a small Texas town in 1976.
2: So, boom, we go up to the set, I get in the car, and I'm like, I'm nervous. First scene ever on film, and right before we're about to shoot, I've got friends in the car, I'm going. I've been listening to this live, more, live Doors album, and there's this, in, in between two of the songs, Morrison goes, all right, all right, all right, all right. You ever heard that recording? Of right? The... All right, all right, all right. Oh, Christ. How you doing? <clears throat>
1: pretty
2: good cool you heard about the party being busted
1: right
2: oh yeah
4: uh, yeah not to worry what's going on god i haven't seen you so long my man what has happened long time no see that's <laughs> yes, right what you been up to same old shit man yeah working for the city working man huh been thinking about getting back in school though
2: man back in jc something like that yeah
0: man i mean
2: that's where all the girls are right
0: in contact, Ellie asked him about his education.
2: I think that hurt my chances with that interview. What do you think?
1: You're a priest?
2: No, not really. I uh got my master's in divinity. Then I dropped out of seminary and went off and did some secular humanitarian work, coordinating efforts with third world churches. Couldn't live at the hotel in this thing.
0: Guess those JC classes really paid off. And the rest of his career certainly speaks for itself he's been super busy on TV and in movies in high demand in looking for information on contact I was surprised to immediately find many comparisons to the Christopher Nolan movie Interstellar. both movies contain a father-daughter relationship both feature wormholes an important element in each movie is a gift-giving gesture, the compass in contact, and the watch in interstellar. And they both star Matthew McConaughey as the alien. What? <laughs> uh, no, just kidding about that. The producer and advisor credits for both movies also include Linda Ops and Kip Thorne, longtime friends of Carl Sagan. Da, da, da. Whoa, I almost forgot to mention the music composer for Contact was Alan Silvestri. Now personally, I think the score for Contact was just a little too light, like something you would hear in a real chick flick. It had its moments, as in the opening scenes of young Ellie and her dad, or the scene of beauty and longing experienced by Ellie during her wormhole voyage. But Ellie's character was played mostly as a scientist on a quest, and I'd like to have heard more of a score like John Williams did for Minority Report. Not to say that Alan Savestri is a lightweight. He's one of Robert Zemeski's regular crew, and is known for a list of other great movies too, including Predator, Tomb Raider 2, and The Avengers. So, on that note, it's time to get back to Federation Space now. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope you've enjoyed this review of the movie Contact. This has been Dave, or Dave Kill on the forums. And as I would like to imagine what James T. Kirk might say as he takes us out of here.
4: We're a most promising species, Mr. Spark, as predators go. Did you know that? I've frequently had my doubts. I don't. Not anymore. And maybe in a thousand years or so, we'll be able to prove it. Take us back to where we're supposed to be, Mr. Sulu, warp factor one. Warp factor one. A thousand years, Captain. Well, that gives us a little time.